0: Section Nine of the Medici, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. The Medici, Volume One by G.F. Young, Chapter Four: Cosimo, Parte Patriae, Part Four. Contemporary historical events, fourteen fifty-four to 1464. The chief historical events in other countries during the last ten years of Cosimo's life were the following. In England, two years after the Hundred Years' War with France had ended, began in 1455 the Wars of the Roses. This kept England in a state of civil war during the next thirty years. As regards the papacy, on the death of Pope Nicholas V, in fourteen fifty five the pope elected was calixtus the third he died in fourteen fifty eight and was succeeded by the celebrated aeneas silvius piccolomini pious the second the chief episodes of whose life are depicted in the series of fresco pictures by Pinturicchio, in the library of the cathedral of siena this pope paid a visit to florence in fourteen sixty and stayed with cosimo in the medici palace in venice there came in 1457 the end of the long and glorious 34 years rule of the doge francesco foscari who died in that year he was the last of her great doges in france in 1461 charles the seventh the king placed on the throne by joan of arc died in the same year that in england henry the sixth was dethroned in favour of edward the fourth charles was succeeded by his cowardly and treacherous son louis the eleventh the royal trickster detestable as were his long list of murders carried out by the most treacherous methods he brought order out of chaos in france art fourteen thirty four to fourteen sixty four the thirty years rule of cosimo shows us the new movement in art advancing with rapid strides to greater and greater achievements through the genius of donatello fra angelico Luca della roppia ghiberti and lippi donatello donatello the third in age of the four leaders of the renaissance in art exercised by far the deepest influence of the four ghiberti brunelleschi and masaccio each did their part but Donatello infused a new spirit into the whole matter, breathing into it the breath of life. Sixteen years old when the new movement in art began, and living to the age of 81, he exercised for 50 years the leading influence in the world of art. We have therefore to look at him under two aspects, one, as a sculptor, and two, as a guide to the art world, as to the true aim of art. 1 dolotello the first sculptor in the round since the time of greek art introduced as great a revolution in sculpture as giotto did in painting the nature of this revolution has been well described by a recent writer of his life as follows in order to estimate the full significance of the new departure in sculpture inaugurated by donatello that sculpturing of isolated statues which had not been attempted since the last artist of antiquity laid down his chisel it must be borne in mind that for centuries the accepted form for this art had been relief while also sculpture had not been used as a prime vehicle by itself for conveying the artist's idea but as an adjunct an ornament to architecture thus in Orcagna's celebrated shrine in or Saint michel in honor of the madonna we find the madonna sentiment diffused throughout all its parts her story is told by a series of reliefs A character is suggested by a carefully thought out arrangement of figures representing the accepted virtues of that character appropriately placed between those stories which appear to illustrate them symbols are freely employed and even the material and colours the white marble spangled with precious stones and mosaics contribute their qualities to aid in the expression of the ideal associated in the mind of the artist with the personality of the Blessed Virgin this was essentially the medieval form of art now the genius of classic art was exactly the opposite of this where the medieval genius was diffuse the classic genius was concentrated where the medieval sculptor flew to symbols to express the internal things of the supernal glory the sculptor of the classic age choosing the most perfect form in nature the human so refined and idealized it and so transfused it with that spirit and thought desired to be expressed that it spoke by suggestion to all who had ears to hear donatello's predecessors were mediaeval one and all he himself was a scholar in their school yet when he was only twenty years of age and twelve years before he was admitted as a master in his guild we see him turn his back on the entire medieval method and choosing the way of antiquity begin his series of isolated heroic statues thus did donatello while still quite young feel the inspiration of that rebirth in art which was permeating all florence and four years after ghiberti began his first pair of bronze doors on which donatello had worked as an assistant this youth of twenty made that bold and independent return to earlier principles which marks the true genius after various statues representing joshua daniel jeremiah habakkuk abraham st peter st mark the marble statue of david and others all intended to occupy niches on the walls of the cathedral The campanile or the church of or saint michel donatello produced in fourteen sixteen his saint george generally considered his masterpiece which gave him the position of the first sculptor of his time but donatello was to go further than this about the year fourteen thirty two he executed for cosimo his bronze statue of david and this statue introduced a new era in the art of sculpture for it was the first isolated nude statue that had been made for more than a thousand years even the saint george besides embodying no attempt to depict the human form undraped had only been made for a niche but this statue of david was intended to stand in the courtile of cosimo's palace and be looked at from every side this remarkable innovation as lord barcaris justly calls it Advanced Donatello's reputation to a still greater degree than even his St. George had done, having an immediate effect on all the sculptors of his time and spreading Donatello's fame far beyond Italy. Seeing it as we now do in the Museum of the Bargello, surrounded by many others, we are apt to forget the distinguished position which this statue holds as the leader of all that followed it in sculpture. The only others of Donatello's numerous works necessary to notice here are his statue of Judith slaying Holofernes and his medallions copied from antique gems. The Judith was executed, like the David, for the cortile of the Medici Palace and was finished shortly after the family moved into the palace in 1440. The statue had an important history some fifty years later, see chapter 10. The medallions which still remain in excellent preservation over the arches of the cortile are copies in marble of eight antique gems the subjects being Diomede and the palladium bacchus and ariadne ulysses and athena didalus and icarus and four others of minor interest the original gems were in the medici collection whether these medallions were completed and placed in position at the time when the palace was first occupied in fourteen forty as seems most probable or at a later date in cosimo's life is a debated point two but greater still is donatello's fame as a guide to the aim which art should set before itself a message which he taught to sculptors and painters alike hitherto the aim that artists had striven after was the production of as lifelike a representation as possible of nature and this alone they had found difficult enough donatello introduced a further step teaching that form must be a mere means to an end that of conveying some deep thought to the mind that art in fact must be a language the outward rendered expressive of the inward the body instinct with spirit the soul made incarnate This, which has been said to define truth in art, was in brief Donatello's message to the art world, and it produced the great stride forward which art now took. It was, in fact, the inauguration of the whole difference between classic and modern art, the former aiming no further than to portray absolute perfection of form, the latter aiming, simultaneously with this, at conveying some message to the mind. It is this characteristic of Donatello's genius which has caused him to be called by his countrymen Il Maestro di Cisano, the master of those who know. His statue of St. George, in which the ideal to which he gives expression is that of the flesh under the dominion of the spirit, is the best example of this characteristic in his art. Donatello also revived a branch of art which had been dead since the time of ancient rome that of casting statues and particularly equestrian statues in bronze a difficult work since all its details had in the course of nine centuries become unknown in fourteen fifty three after many difficulties he completed for the venetian republic the first bronze equestrian statue executed since roman times that of the venetian general at padua his works in base relief have also certain characteristics of their own notably that exceedingly low relief called stiacciato which he often used with very beautiful effect perkins draws attention to his treatment of the hair saying that though the ancient sculptures were unrivalled in their treatment of hair in the abstract no sculptor ancient or modern ever surpassed donatello In giving it all the qualities of growth and waywardness. To compare Donatello with his great successor, Michelangelo, is absurd. Donatello's fame is that of the leader, of the man who revolutionized sculpture and taught all who came after him what art's true aim should be, and no excellencies in Michelangelo or any other successor can touch the point on which Donatello's fame rests. Fra Angelico. San Marco not only possessed learned men among its community, and a prior who was beloved by all who knew him, but also numbered among its members the greatest painter of the day, Fra Angelico. His earlier paintings are to be seen at Cortana, but in 1437 he began his painting at Florence, being at Cosimo's insistence set to work as soon as any portions of the new monastery were sufficiently far advanced for the purpose to decorate the walls of the chapter house cloisters and corridors with his frescoes amongst these the large fresco in the chapter house representing the crucifixion with the saints of the new testament on one side and the prominent saints of the middle ages on the other was specially ordered by cosimo who gave much helpful advice in regard to the details it was one of the first of fra angelico's frescoes painted in san marco cosimo also made fra angelico paint in the cell which he kept for himself a fresco picture of the adoration of the magi desiring to have this example of eastern kings laying down their crowns at the manger of bethlehem always before his eyes as a reminder for his own guidance as a ruler from time to time we meet with a master who having made some line in art specially his own and perfected it to such a point that it is felt that no further advance in that line is possible to man remains for all time its solitary exponent it was thus with fra angelico he reigned supreme and alone in that line which he chose wherein he sought only to express the inner life of the adoring soul at the same time he was an artist steadily improved in technical skill and his later paintings show that he had carefully studied the works of masaccio regarding the general style of his painting mrs ady says as follows all the mystic thought of the mediaeval world the passionate love of god and man that beat in the heart of st francis The yearnings of dante's soul after a higher and more perfect order of things are embodied in the art of fra angelico the brilliancy of color and richness which he gives in his pictures of angels and heavenly scenes are marvellous in his picture at cortona of the annunciation fra angelico's first version of his favorite subject the angel's wings are gold tipped with ruby light and his robe is a marvel of decorative beauty studied all over with little tongues of flame and embroidered in mystic patterns his picture of the coronation of the virgin is one of the glories of the louvre and in it he has lavished the richest ornament and the most radiant colour on the angels who stand before the throne each with a spark of fire on his forehead and glittering stars on his purple wings End quote. Ruskin speaking of fra angelico's painting from the more technical side remarks as follows the art of fra angelico both in drawing and coloring is perfect and his work may be recognized at any distance by its rainbow play and brilliancy like a piece of opal among common marbles in order to effect clearer distinction between heavenly beings and those of this world he represents the former as clothed in draperies of the purest color crowned with glories of burnished gold and entirely shadowless the flames on their foreheads waving brighter as they move the sparkles streaming away from their purple wings like the glitter of the sun upon the sea while they listen in the pauses of alternate song for the prolonging of the trumpet blast and the answering of the psalm and harp and cymbal throughout the endless deep, and from all the star shores of heaven. This mode of treatment, combined as it is with the exquisite choice of gesture and disposition of drapery, gives perhaps the best idea of spiritual beings which the human mind is capable of forming. End quote. For one other point, Fra Angelico's pictures are notable in them we have for the first time heads full of individual character while he was the first to begin introducing in his pictures portraits of his friends thus doing much to help forward another line in art portrait painting which a generation later became a recognized branch of painting in this way he gives us in his picture of the deposition from the cross now in the academia at florence A portrait of his friend Michelozzo, the architect, who was being employed by Cosimo in the rebuilding of San Marco. Fra Angelico's period of painting in Florence lasted for nine years, 1437 to 1446. In 1446, Pope Eugenius IV, having seen so much of his work at Florence, summoned him to Rome, but that Pope died almost immediately afterwards in 1447 however his successor nicholas V was as previously noted most anxious to inaugurate a new state of things in rome as regards art one of his first efforts in this direction after the example of the monastery of san marco in florence was to begin covering the walls of the vatican with frescoes and this was the commencement of that long series of renowned frescoes which added to by pope after pope now form so large a part of the treasures of the Vatican, Nicholas V began with his private chapel and set Fra Angelico to work to decorate its walls. Thus, these frescoes in the chapel of Nicholas V are important both as the first of all the frescoes in the Vatican and also as being Fra Angelico's last work. They took him the greater part of the next five years fourteen forty seven to fourteen fifty two and these frescoes in particular show how greatly he had profited by careful study of massaccio's works for while they still have his own grace and skill in delineating character they are instinct with massaccio's power in them we have from farar angelico's two portraits of nicholas v in the two pictures representing sixtus the second a d 257 ordaining the deacon st lawrence And giving into his charge the treasures of the church fra angelico died at rome in 1455 simultaneously with the above work in art nicholas v commenced the formation of a library in the vatican after the pattern of the medici library in florence and collected a large number of manuscript books and appointed a librarian but the whole was dispersed by his successors and it was not until Sixtus IV revived the institution in 1475 that the Vatican Library began its existence. Luca della Robbia Luca della Robbia, born in 1400, was employed as a youth on the bronze doors of the baptistry. After a time he began working on his own account and struck out a new line of his own. He executed reliefs in marble, in bronze and in glazed terracotta devoting him specially to the varied expressions of the human features and his works by their truth to nature and the deep feeling which they breathe have won for him an honoured place amongst those who gave an impulse to the renaissance speaking of his art generally miss crutwell says he is first of all the imaginative sculptor and poet embodied the grandest ideals in forms worthy of fidean greece in 1438 Luca produced his beautiful relief of the cantoria executed for one of the organ lofts of the cathedral and representing groups of boys and girls singing and little children dancing which at once placed him amongst the foremost artists of his time this relief in marble from its truth to nature and the grace of movement of its figures was almost as much a wonder to the time as ghiberti's first pair of bronze doors had been and had much effect in helping still further forward both sculpture and painting towards a lifelike representation of human figures it is meant to illustrate the hundred and fiftieth psalm each of the panels portraying one of the six verses of that psalm regarding this magnificent frieze The Marchese Berlamacci says, Luca della Robbia's cantori, children, live and move. The very action of their throats can be seen as they sing. The soul of music is in their faces. There is a swing in their movements as they dance, a grace of attitude, and an elegance of flowing drapery that throughout the works of the Renaissance has never been surpassed. Besides the cantoria, Luca della Robbia's other chief works, in marble and bronze, were the five panels on the north side of the Campanile, executed in 1439, representing the development of man's intellect in the arts and sciences. The tomb of Benozzo Federighi, Bishop of Fiesole, now in the Church of Santa Trinita, executed in 1454, and by some considered Luca's best work in marble and the bronze doors of the sacristy of the Duomo, completed after many years' labour in 1469. His works in glazed terracotta will be considered later. Chapter 6 Ghiberti In 1452, six years after Brunelleschi had died, and Fra Angelico's painting in Florence come to an end, Ghiberti at last finished his second pair of bronze doors for the baptistry these which michelangelo a hundred years later declared fit to be the gates of paradise are considered ghiberti's masterpiece they represent scenes from old testament history and ruskin remarks the book of genesis in all the fulness of its incidents in all the depths of its meaning is bound within the leaf borders of the gates of ghiberti they had taken ghiberti twenty-eight years he had begun his first pair of doors at the age of twenty three. He finished his second at the age of seventy three, and he died three years afterwards. Excepting his three statues outside Or Saint Michel and one or two minor works, these two pairs of bronze doors were his life's work. As Alexandre Dumas says, a whole life spent over this marvelous bronze the pathos of the young ghiberti beginning this beautiful work of art when full of youth and strength amidst all the enthusiasm of the first outburst of the renaissance and finishing it when he was old and worn with years and when so many who had seen its commencement had passed away cannot but touch all who think of it it was another generation who now saw its completion from that which had seen it begun cosimo himself now sixty-three had then been only a boy of thirteen fra angelico fifteen michelozzo eleven luca della robbia a child of a year old masaccio the boy who had worked under him had covered himself with glory in another line and was long dead brunelleschi his passionate rival had had time to learn another art and to make his name famous therein and was gone of all the band of eager competitors for the work he alone remained as we look at these beautiful doors how many thoughts crowd upon us the terrible sufferings of florence from the plague which caused their construction the celebrated competition with its intense and passionate rivalry the whole lifetime of work spent in their production all the art life which surged around them as they lay gradually taking shape in the workshop of ghiberti hard by the place where they have now stood for four hundred and fifty years the school of art which that workshop began for florence the band of eager young assistants some of whom had since made their names which are now famous throughout the world the final triumph when they were at last completed the solemn function when they were erected in their place the gray-haired man of seventy-three bent with age who had begun them in his youth and who had he had another lifetime before him would have destroyed even these and begun yet another effort after something more perfect still the pride of all who had had a part however humble in their production the excitement and rapture of a whole city lastly the many things of which they were the origin and the matrix the sculpture of donatello the painting of masaccio and all that grew from these so that we look at ghiberti's panels we see mirrored in them the triumphs of raphael and of michelangelo it is thoughts such as these which force themselves upon our minds as we stand in the crowded modern thoroughfare with its trams and tourists and life of the florence of today around us and look at ghiberti's doors End of section 9.